Welcome to part two of our fireside chat on men's ministry with Pat Goodman and Josh Glazer. We will be rejoining the conversation now. You know, I, I feel like, um, and I, I, I want to transition a little bit to anything you might think about with younger men, like what they maybe are uniquely dealing with as younger men that maybe the generation before didn't deal with. But I, I can talk about this as, as way of transition is something that like, uh, when I was when you know, when I was 25, I was like I think one of the biggest things that's really hard is I think identity is even tougher mm. now. I think may, maybe like before people, they they had longer careers and they, I don't think it's good to define yourself by your career, but at least it's something. Like they miss they were getting their identity from the wrong thing, but they at least had something to say. That's kind of hey, my Chris, identity, not a bad right? Thing. Right, right. right. <laughs> but like um, I, I think like knowing who they are, identity is such like a hot mess now for young guys. I know when I was 25. I had always been like the young life, like golden boy. <laughs> I've been yeah. like really good at young life, and my time with young life was coming to an end, and I had no clue who I was outside of this. It was actually um, Pat. Like you sat down with me and said, like you know, God is much more concerned with who you are than what you do, and like, and that was one of the. And and then you also said in that same kind of breath, and I don't know if you remember this, but it like I need to write this radically down. impacted my life. <laughs> it radically impacted my life. You said like I would hire you. I don't even know what for, just based on who you are. Hmm. Yeah. And like, and here's a guy who didn't know what I was doing next. I've really confused and afraid that I had blown like the one thing I was good at. You know what I mean? Like, and and, and it just like that like broke me in a good way. Like yeah. it just like it just like gave me like a place truly in this meant world. That. Yeah, and and, and like it, I, out of that, I feel like it gave me a lot of more room to say it's not that important what I do next job wise, because like he's growing my character. He's gonna grow who I am. But I think I think I see guys so torn up over not knowing how to define themselves that they just get locked in the passivity because they're afraid to do the wrong thing or they're afraid wow. to try something and fail. And I see that a lot now. Mm. That's really interesting. So you're picking that up in the in the younger men that you're just kind of turning around and being around. You know, I, I, I think identity is such like a, a more confusion over identity than ever personally. Like, um, yeah, I, I am picking that up a lot. I think that like I think people are afraid to commit to things because they're afraid to be defined by that thing, you know. Right. And like and so like they don't want to be a fill in the blank, right? Like I, I don't want to just be a teacher. I don't want to just be whatever. I'm afraid to be defined by this thing. But I think what they fail to realize is that we're most shaped by the things that we commit to. And it doesn't matter if that commitment's for like one year or if that commitment's for five years. But like this inability to commit to things leads to like lack of character development. Because I, I personally believe that like it's our commitments that most shape us. Like your marriage, your, first your commitment to Christ, then your commitment to like a person, commitment to like even like a church for a season. Like mm-hmm. the, like if you can stay on the periphery of all those things, you can stay on the periphery of God, you can stay on the periphery of relationship, which is where most of our culture hangs. Like in this in between, I don't know if we're dating or not. <laughs> you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. If I'm if with this church or not, I'm seeing like three, I'm going to three different churches, but like th- th- this is like where they all kind of live. Like more and more men kind of live in this way because they're afraid to be boxed, but then they end up not having the same growth as saying like by committing to that for a season, it shaped me in these ways because I had to actually oh, that's very, deal with very it. good. Where, where do you think that comes from? Like the, the, the fear of being boxed, the fear of having the well, I think I think it's a couple things. This is a good question. I don't know the answer to this. We're, we're, I'm I'm thinking out loud here, but I think part of it comes from um, like just an immense amount of options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like dating has forever changed in the sense that now you can kind of be talking to four people online at the same time, and all of them have like a low level of commitment to like what's going on. So I think there's this like I don't want to be pigeonholed into that, but I also don't know that I want. I don't know that, that I'm going to want that in three weeks. So I want to keep my options open. Oh, same with career. You know, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm going to make sure my options are very, very open, and I'm afraid. To 
to get too deep into this company because what if I don't want to do it next year? Mm. Or the, the church, like, you know, I, I like being in this experience, but at the same time, I don't know about that one pastor who speaks. And so I don't know if I really want to consider this my church, you know, and I just see that like across the board in so many, di- there's part of optionality, part of not wanting to be pigeonholed or feeling like a commitment is some kind of like death sentence, you know, or some kind of like, um, I don't know. And I, I think they fear it in a way that they should actually look forward to the growth that comes out of committing to something. Hmm. You know, I think attention for all of us, and I'm certain this too, is that, you know, particularly people who we're all giving our life to something, but to say, you know, I, I, well, I really want to I want to follow this person of Jesus, but, you know, I, I still want a huge say in my own life. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think it means when we follow Jesus, you, you like you just throw your brain out and you become this automaton that just says, you know, what do you want me to do today, God? I'm not leaving till I, I, I just think it's a little weird thing, but I don't know that we have helped people see that you're a part of something bigger mm. that's going on already that doesn't, Yeah. you don't have to figure this out. Like there is something going on that you've been invited into hmm. that your little life, you're one of 7 billion, but it's needed. <laughs> I, I think in some ways we've let people think way too small hmm. and not think big enough so that it's all about me, me. What do I, my happy, it's a this massive distraction here, now, this, that, this, that, what, hmm. what, you know, the technological yeah. communication avenues and all of that. Like, I don't know what I would be like if I was 25 again, you know, (laughs) I don't even know what I don't know right now in some ways, which is a blessing. But what I mean by if, if God from the very moment of creation started a, a a renovation plan that through the ages, he's doing something that he's calling us to be a part of, and it's not up for grabs. Mm. And I think about through my life every day, whatever my hands find to do, I get to bring that creational hopefulness Mm life through my conversations how i treat people what i uh, then that ties me into something bigger in terms of not just who am i but whose am i i belong to someone who's already defined me with an image that i have value that gives me the capacity to look at my wounds with another voice that orients my sexual desire and passions and helps me understand where these things come from like That'd be a fun other podcast, as Christopher West talks about. I mean, I've asked people this numerous times, like, why do we even have a body? And they look at you like, I never thought of that. (laughs) But we want to disconnect sex from that question. I don't think you can. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say, Josh, one of the things I think the long answer of, of young people struggling with is they've gotten a much too myopic perspective of their own journeys Hmm. and we haven't done a big enough better job i mean of creating a big enough vision of what they're already a part of which is wisdom it's moving Mm -hmm. it's happening that's really good it's not just another day at work Hmm. it's never just another day if his kingdom is to come his will be done on earth as it is in heaven how do i bring more of that reality in and through my hands every day Hmm. that's really good you know yeah I do think one of the, I mean, not to harp on technology, but I think it is one of those places for us right now where we, the temptation is always to be in more than one place at a time, mm. to be in more than one time Boy. at a time. Fe- what is it? FOMO, fear of missing out? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And to be a body creature, as human beings are, means that we are actually literally confined to one place at a time, to one moment at a time. And um, by God's design, and that's not a that's not a, 
an unhelpful limitation. It's actually a really helpful limitation. Mm. And even as you're sharing that, Pat, I'm, I'm kind of thinking how many moments I miss in a day because I'm thinking about the last thing or the next thing mm. or, or how, to, how to present this moment now to others who are not here right now. And um, like as a, you know, as a dad, I, one of the, the things we see all the time, we go to our kids' um, performances at school and, you know, half the parents have their phone in the air and they're looking through the screen at their kid in that wow. moment so they can record that moment for them to watch another time. And in essence, they're missing physically seeing their kids in that moment and choosing instead to see it through a screen so they can see it again later. And, um, and I think there is a growing body of research that's saying that it's actually doing something to our brains in a way huh. that's, that's limiting our capacity to be present, to wow. remember things. And, um, and so I, I don't know how that's impacting the, the next generation. I know it's impacting me. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's impacting my generation in some ways. That, and I think it's happening kind of like the, you know, the, the, the frog in the water that's beginning to boil and we're not mm. quite realizing all the implications. But John, uh, there's a little book promo, but The New Copernicans by Don, John David Seal, S-E-E-L. It's a tremendous little read in terms of where I think this... 20s age group is both in and outside of quote the faith community but in a general way very helpful and and i think the 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 truths of fragmentation and technology and how they're dealing with reality but the one thing that they can't let go are these these gnawing faith questions in their soul Mm. that are there yeah but as they look at things like intimacy and Mm. relationships and sexuality and it's just really intriguing, and how do we in the faith community engage with that without being threatened by it? Right. You know, can we really hear the deep longing of the heart in it? I think, you know, some people in this age group are having trouble naming some of the things that they're actually feeling and hmm. getting the, the kind of clarity that they want. But I will say this, I think there's a longing to have someone in front of them really see them. Yeah. And call the best out of them Hmm. like I have never and it isn't just me I've never asked somebody to meet a couple guys to meet to talk about things of life of importance and they've said no Hmm. (laughs) and it's not just me it's somebody older I believe seeing something in someone younger says I noticed you and I'd really like to get together with you and talk about some things together and learn with you and from you about this thing that we have called our lives would you be open to doing that i've never had someone say man i'd hate doing that it'd be the stupidest thing i could do about with my life they've jumped at it in fact i asked some guys a number of years ago one of you is a part of that you josh you got in on a little later to do this again i I, I begged i stood at the door they no and and then they all said yes and i didn't do anything and one of them said to me like good here we can do this or not like you said you want to get together we want to get together like why haven't you done anything and i was like holy guys you guys are serious about this so (laughs) that started this journey you know that we've been on together but it was this together and then it made me think about the power of connection again that we've been talking about. So, mm-hmm. this, that's a this is a great transition into what do you think men need in order to grow through the issues that we talked about? I think getting together and talking about life is more significant than we can kind of encapsulate. What else do you think we need to kind of grow through these things? In terms of growing as a person, 
Sure. Just through grow through the, this journey of becoming a man, like a, you know, Christ-centered man. <laughs> <laughs> the long, the long lull. Oh, yeah, we could talk about what the problems are. Like, well, what do you need to, to, to change? We've been doing this collectively for like 80 years, and none of us know what to do. <laughs> where, where, where am I doing? Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> I, I think that, um, I mean, some of the things we've talked about already, I think, are really, really key. And I, I think vulnerability is a, is a big one. And yeah. not vulnerability just for vulnerability's sake. Um, right. But like, like if men in a, in a Christian community were to be asking each other the questions or asking themselves the questions, like, what is, uh, what is really holding me back? Mm. And, or what's the thing I'm really afraid that these guys are going to find out about me and being willing to kind of step across that line with each other. Um, and, and not, not just so the group can be insular. I mean, that, that community itself is a good end unto itself. But, but even in addition to that, like we're, we are designed for something we're designed Mm to love and we're designed to love like Jesus. Yeah. And so the things that are, are, you know, the wounds we carry, the fears we carry, the, the messages we have about ourselves, the pride we carry, the little sins that nobody knows about or we wow. think nobody knows about, um, all those things are holding us back from from being the men that we're designed to be, that God wants us to be. And, hmm. and I don't mean, you know, God kind of angrily looking down going, you're not the man I want you to be, but that he's inviting us with joy to be. And that I think as we're living like that, we actually experience joy in that too. And that's huge. um, I mean, the other thing I think is um, I am a big believer in, you know, Pat, you're, you talk about the good question that Mm. a man can ask because Proverbs 20 verse five says the thoughts of a man are like deep waters, but a wise man draws them out. And I think the questions that men have asked me over the years, like to help me even know what the heck I really do think about something or what I really am feeling and just giving, space for me to answer. I think one of the greatest things we can do for each other is, is asking like open-ended what questions, like mm. what's going on for you with that. And then when a person begins to answer, you know, give them room to answer more like what else? Um, yeah. cause I think we, we are so busy and we are even internally, we're so busy that, it, that we don't get to some of those deeper things. And, um, and then I think we need the power of Jesus. And I don't mm. mean that in a cliche way. I mean, literally we need, yes. if, if we could do this on our own, if we could restore our manhood mm-hmm. on our own, then Jesus wouldn't have come. And so in in what way is the incarnation of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, now his his very present within us, around us, for us, Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, what difference does that make in this life? And if if it if that's kind of a sidebar to our approach to, to restoration, then we're really not gonna be restored. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. um and so inviting him into those deeper places and through healing prayer, through listening prayer, through deliverance, through, um, yeah, through just yeah. that mystery of his His presence with us and working among us. Hmm. Yeah, I sure don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, when you say, what are some things we need to go do through our issues? I think that uh, the, uh, you know, growing up is a hard thing to do, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think particularly even emotionally, really. Yeah. And it, I think generationally these are things that are different, but I mean, I just think of all the emotions from my dad and his generation that there's the thing that I miss most about my dad is I never heard his feelings. Hmm. I never got to hear his feelings very much. Hmm. I just, you know, and I saw him sometimes in his tears. I remember later in his life when our youngest Josh was like four or five we went to an Orioles game and I again I haven't lived with my dad for years and we were out in the bleachers and we're sitting there and Josh is you know I, I gave him so much candy and stuff he ended up puking we had to leave early from the game <laughs> at one point in the game I looked over and my dad had tears running down his face 
And I always have wondered what were those about. Mm. Huh. And I think they were. I'm, I'm assuming. I think they were tears of joy. Mm-hmm. And I often wonder if they were tears of regret, wondering how many more of these moments we could have had and never did. So I think anything we can do, Josh, like you're talking about, through questions that help us grow up emotionally. I meet men all the time who are 45, but their conflicts with their wives are like they're 12. It is middle mm. school. Yeah. The words that are used, the actions, people slamming doors and going out of the room and you know blaming people for everything it's like dude like what about your part yeah and it's just really interesting so i think we need to help people grow up through this asking of questions and uncover some things is very useful in the world i think the other thing that people really begin to find their lives when they give it away yeah i didn't come up with this this is in the scriptures jesus said this so i think (laughs) anything we do where people can touch something where they make it better mm. or they engage in a life that that costs us something, that we engage with other people's pain, need, mm. lack of resource, where we get to engage in that not as a savior but as a participant for healing. I just think we become better people because of it, and it expands our world. That's so good. And I think it helps people know that, that uh, this isn't just about me. It just yeah. isn't about me. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but some of my greatest memories aren't alone. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's when I've given my life away and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trucking around with some other people. Pat, That's it great. reminds me, too, of um, so you you're one of the two people who pointed me to James K.A. Smith's book, uh, You Are What You Love. Yeah. That's right. And he makes the point in that book. Um, that uh, which I haven't finished, by the way. So if I'm getting this wrong, jump in. But yeah, the first seventy the, pages were worth the book. Okay, good, good. Um, the 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 point that we typically think in the West, kind of postmodern world, that that our thinking defines us. It's what's going to change us. It's what yeah. actually makes our lives. And maybe this even goes back to some of our our conversation about technology and the way that we engage, mm-hmm. quote unquote, engage the world through technology. But he says you're actually changed by your what you do. You're changed yeah. by what you engage in. Yeah. And um, uh, he, he, what does he call them? He called liturgies. Liturgies. You, you liturgy. Create liturgies in your life. So, and, and, and even then, then, in our desires and our loves, create the liturgies. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. our affections that we go towards Absolutely. these repetitive habits. Yeah. You know that we then do. So whether it's spiritual disciplines or actually just getting out of your seat and right. going across the room to love yeah. somebody or, or going down and helping a mission like you're doing today, I think yeah. engaging in something actually then does begin to form and shape us. And so if, as, as long as we kind of keep all our options open and kind of sit back in front of our screens and say, well, like, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that, um, and kind of dabble here and there, it, we're actually missing the opportunity to grow and to change. And I think that's yeah. that's one of those places for for men that's going to make a big yeah. difference. That's a great thing. What did you, you say, Brian? Or I Ryan? mean, I wouldn't add much to what you guys have already said. I feel like that's like, those are the things I think cause us to grow. I, I will say like, what I've tried, like what I hope, like if I was to leave Horizon tomorrow, what I hope I imparted to like the culture of masculinity there through the men's ministry work that I do is like my prayer every time is that, I, that we create a culture where like it's normal to ask for help. Yeah. Like, you oh, know, like man. it's like that that becomes the heartbeat and the norm of like me coming up to another random dude who I barely know and saying like, could you help me with this? And that's just like, this is the culture of our church wow. to say, absolutely. I've been there, you know, like, wow. uh, you know, it, like whatever it is, whether it's changing a royal or whether it's like dealing with pornography or whether it's like whatever it is that that's the norm. The other thing is that we'd be a, a culture of men who 
set goals and go after them mm. because I think the lack of intentionality among men is, and this is something I coming agree. back from like the first Ironman that I got to do with Pat, like we're like, we looked at Dallas Willard's VIM vision intention means of how yep. change actually happens. I always come back to that in some circle with like the guys that, cause I want them to be thinking intentionally about who they want to grow into, you know? And again, one of Pat's big questions is who do you want to be when you're 50? And what are you doing today to become that person? You know, it's like that question haunts me. <laughs> you know? I've got a lot less time <laughs> yeah. to make that happen now. That's right. I'm, I'm way closer to yeah. 50 than I was when they first asked that question. Um, you know, and so like, but like this living on purpose, this idea of saying that like life's going to kind of just pass me by unless I kind of like go after the things that I really want to be about. And if I say I want to be about that stuff, where's my action plan that says that, yeah, I'm actually living in a way that's moving me towards that goal. Those are, I love, I mean, that, the, those two things together Terrific. are incredible. Like mm-hmm. a culture that is willing to ask for help, like that's the norm. And then this, this vision intention means to be intentional about where mm-hmm. I want to go. Like the clarity. Man, that's those beautiful. two together are I want to dynamite. Pick that up. Well, and I hope I hope that like in that like when you because you realize when you want to set goals and go after them that you need help to get there. You know, most of the goals I set, I don't know how to do it. You know, right. I mean, like like so like I need to sit with somebody who who actually does it well. So the vis- the the beauty of what you're saying and and Willard's stuff. You know, the word vision, another word would be picture. Yeah. You know, one thing that was so transformative for me, and and I, it started a process I try to do a couple times a year, and I've gone back now, and that would be a whole another discussion, but. When we often set goals without a picture, I've kind of see it as like having Christmas balls without the tree. It's right. like I got I got some stuff I don't know what to hang it on. Like why am I doing it other than I got to set goals? You know, it just sounds dry, <laughs> right, stale. Right. Yeah. But when I have a picture yeah. in my mind of what I'm going to do to help something come about, hmm. that's huge. And I don't write a lot. I learned this from another guy years ago. Don't write a lot. Don't write more than one or two in, mm. in particular areas. Because it, it looks great on paper. I just don't know if you'll do them all. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm learning the power again. In fact, we're doing some stuff with men right now. This like small is the new big, meaning the power of little things. We want big things. I want to change my neighborhood. It's like, well, do you know your neighbor's name? Right. You might want to get to know your neighbor's name. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we want these big things. But, you know, Jesus talked about little a lot. Hmm. Little faith. Faith is mustard seed. If you're faithful in little, be faithful in much. You know, if you have faith of a little child, five loaves, two fish, five, feeds, what, 14,000 people somewhere right. in there, 5,000 men who knows about women and children. So, you know, seismic shifts and earthquake, that's over little, mm. little shifts over wow. years and years and years. You know, you save a little bit of money over a long period of time, you actually have some. So, Ryan, that is just so, that's, that's money, man. That is gold if people can learn that little lesson Not over from time. Me. I learned it from you guys. No, no, I learned it from somebody else. That's yeah, my yeah. point. You know, they, these little things that are transformative that nobody mm-hmm. else talks to you about. Mm-hmm. Like good. little deposits in your marriage. Yeah. Uh, real quick, quick little illustration. So we, I asked some guys to think about this last week, group of men. I said, I'm going to give you five minutes at the end of our session to be practical. You say, so it's one guy to write something down, you know, and I said, well, the next week we're going to have a chance, a few of us to share if we did anything. Mm. So this one guy goes, uh, I'll share. He goes, uh, I noticed that, um, I, well, he goes, I wrote, I wrote my wife a note. I go, you wrote your wife a note? He goes, yeah, I wrote her a note and left it on the table before I left. I go, how'd it go over? He goes, it was really meaningful. I go, did you, do you ever write her many notes? He goes, nope. I go, do you think you would have written her the note if you hadn't taken five minutes, five minutes to think about one thing about the relationship with your wife that would impact your relationship with your wife? He goes, no. 
I go, well, do you, do you think it was the note or just the fact that you thought of her that meant a lot to her? He goes, it was probably both. I went, yeah. So what do you think it would mean if you developed this ongoing habit of just a little deposit into your wife's soul? Wow. Because God spoke to you about something over a month, a year, two years, three years, four years. And it's like, it's a little thing, but it's not so little. Yeah. yeah it's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So kind of taking the conversation a little farther, what, what do you believe? We talked a lot about um, what's kind of broken in masculinity or, or like, you know, the issues that guys are facing. What, what does redeemed masculinity look like to you guys? Jesus Christ on the cross hmm. is redeemed masculinity to me. Like it's the, it's the expression of a man, not out of his own inability to do something, hmm but out of a willingness to take all that he was and to sacrifice it for the good of another. Hmm. And um, so he wasn't like, I mean, he could do what he wanted. <laughs> he could build an audience. He could have won the people, um, but he laid it down for a, a bigger, better good. They're good. So hmm. that's, yeah, that's it to me. That's self-giving love. Wow. That's so cool. You know, I, I think... I used to like almost fantasize about like giving my life in a dramatic way, like, you know, mm. like, um, but like what I've found is like living sacrificially mm. every day in the painful things is a lot harder than like, than my image of like this one moment that right. you're making an impulse, you know, Jesus lived sacrificially every day yeah. up until he ultimately gave the ultimate sacrifice. And like, man, it's, it's really hard to like, to live sacrificially like for others on an ongoing basis. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think they, uh, I think the old word for it is cruciform, like mm. the cruciform life. Mm -hmm. wow. So, uh, like um, yeah. like how, how are we today pouring ourselves mm. out for others? Good as opposed yeah. to self-taking, like it's about me finding yeah. comfort, you making me happy, me feeling good. Like, mm. I think that like we talk a lot in our ministry about the difference between lust and love. Lust is like, you know, you're here to make me feel good. And yeah. I'll, I'm going to stay on this, this video, stay on this image, stay with this person as long as you can make me feel kind good. Take, 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 yeah. take. Yeah. And when you stop making me feel good, I'm going to, I'm moving on. Huh. Um, as opposed to love, which says, I mean, going back to the kind of traditional marriage vows, like for better or worse, richer or poor, um, sickness and health, as long as both shall live, like everything I have is yours. This mm -hmm. is my body given for you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and those are—it's one thing to say those words. Yeah. It's another thing, like when I go home today, yeah. to not check out, but yeah. to say, okay, this isn't like I'm home. You know, Daddy's home. I'm gonna put my <laughs> feet up on the chair and watch some TV, like. Right. But like, hey, what what do I have to give to my these five little kids, mm. these five not so little kids, and <laughs> and my wife? Hmm. That's really good. Yeah, I, boy, that is—I have nothing to add to that. That is pretty <laughs> profound. Yeah. No, I, and I think it is exactly what we. We see the first Adam in the garden yeah. struggling in that regard. And I, listen, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm part of that. I think I could have, somebody said, well, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have. Like, yeah, well, you aren't. You probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> but we see the second Adam. Huh. And and I just think that's that's really all that you see there. I can't think of a better description. Yeah, that's great. I, I feel like, it's it's also strength redeemed like it's like you know and, and not that male strength is better than or greater than or it's just different than like what uh, strong females are like yeah. they're they have different strengths that they bring to the table and and it's not always easily defined by gender either so i'm you know trying to stay away from all the stereotypes of that but like like it's it's taking a strength instead of saying a strength that's been misused probably their whole life and saying what what is like the fact that i've been given this 
strength like how can yeah. i use that for the benefit of those who who don't have it you know what i mean like or, yeah. or or not even that don't have it or how can i use my strength for the benefit of others like in general like whether it's kids whether it's like you know i i remember very um vividly like in, in getting involved with araminta like it triggered something in me of like um like when i was like in a teenage and like and saw injustice and just didn't have like i had no strength enough myself to stand up and like stop it you know what i mean like i felt a lot of shame a lot yeah. of shame over like yeah. feeling like powerless to stop wrong from happening you know and and, and from something i was like wit- witnessing as like a, a teenager and like being faced again with that issue like at 25 or however old i was like when like we learned about human trafficking and feeling like this it roused this thing in me and says wait a minute you're not like some powerless 13 year old anymore like you have a voice that people to some degree listen to mm. you know what i mean you have like people who to some degree follow you like yeah. you know like 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 what does it mean now to say i'm going to apply the strength that god has given me whatever that looks like to fight for the cause of people who are clearly their voices are being trampled over you know what i mean like um and i think whether that's doing that just use your strength for your family whether it's using your strength for just your neighbor whether that's using your strength for an issue or a cause yeah. like it's it's saying like the strength that god has given me is mid, was given to me for a purpose and redeeming that is to say i got i'm giving it back to you to say how do you want me to use my strength yeah i love that i mean and i think a strength even physical strength right. is a great example i mean if it's true that that again stereotypes so if we're looking at a bell curve like right the, the majority of men in, in men in a culture have a capacity for greater muscle mass and, mm, and have greater right. bone density than the average woman. And that's not, that's not a men are better than women. Right. It's men not are different. Women right. have other things that men do not have. Um, when they, like the, the, the definition of complementarity that I like is like, um, where I am weak, you are strong, hmm. where you're, uh, where I am strong, you are weak. And hmm. that, and in the garden, I think before the fall, that was that difference between men and women was meant to be something where it's they beautiful. could serve each other yeah. yes. and they connect together. Not mm. a diminishing. Right. Yeah. With the fall, it became this this competition for the same kind of space. Mm. Like if you have that and I don't, it means something about Boy, me. Boy, great insight, wow. Josh. Yeah. Um, so when so when it comes back to the idea of physical strength, like I think we've seen in our culture, men misuse physical strength with right. each other, with weaker ones, sure. with, with yeah. women, with children, um, in ways that we kind of go, oh, well, that, we want to downplay that. but. Right. Um, as opposed to like, if if God's actually given me capacity, I mean, even just if, if it's not a right. comparison to anybody else, just if He's giving me capacity for muscle mass, if giving me bone density, what for? Like, what am right. I going to do with that? Like, right. um, the guy who founded our ministry actually, he was not. You wouldn't look at him and think, oh, this guy's really really strong guy, but he he did work out every every morning a little mm-hmm. bit because, in his view, I want to bring my body and use it to serve others. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, really? That's why yeah. you do it? I mean, I, I go to the gym so I can look good, right, which right. goes back to that, you like, do, it's for me. <laughs> but it's it's like, so, you know, so I can draw people to myself and feel better with myself as opposed right. to, like, I, I want to have some level of strength or intelligence or money or or, or a longer lifespan so that I can yeah. serve. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. So tell me a little bit about, I would love to hear a little bit about each of your ministries, two men, what they look like and how someone could get involved. Like this is your chance to promote. <laughs> I know none of you want to self-promote much, but I would love for people to know Take about what way, you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, as I said at the top of the podcast, uh, I lead Regeneration and, and um, we, we have groups that are, that are for men, groups that are for women, groups that are for men and women both. We offer one-to-one what we call spiritual coaching or spiritual direction. Um, all to really help people become more whole in the areas of sexuality, relationships, and emotions. And um, so one really common outflow of that, this is just one example, is um, a lot of men these days are struggling with their sexuality. Like, what does it mean to be sexual? What do I do with sexual desire? 
um, what I do with porn, what I do with my desire to be with uh, another man or with a woman. Um, how do I walk that out? How am I supposed to, to take this stuff and live a holy life? And is a holy life even something that's desirable? And so mm-hmm. we, we walk with people as they're kind of wrestling with those mm-hmm. things. So we have um, men who come to, come to us who are dealing with uh, lust issues, extramarital affairs, um, just struggling with their own sense of what it means to be a man. Um, and we'd invite men to just come check us out. You can find us online at regenerationministries.org. Um, you can also set up a, a free consultation just to come in and sit with us and share with us what's going on, and we'll share with you a little more about who we are. Um, depending on when this podcast airs, on April 12th, we are actually holding a, an event for men aged 18 to about 30 mm-hmm. um, called Forge, and uh, Pat will be with us that night, right, Pat? As awesome. far as I and, know. And we're Lord trying, to rope, trying to rope your... Uh, yeah, my capacity, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm not sure what the, I, I've heard, I think he's going to do it. There's so rumblings yeah. about that. So, <laughs> But the heart of that is really, like, let's let's cast a vision for what do we do with, with sexual desire, and how can we actually get after this in a way that's, that's not just about being against something, but really being for something mm-hmm. and making a, a difference in our lives in that regard. So... I'm not sure how, how well I did plugging the ministry. No, but well, let me let me say this too. Like I I've walked with guys into your office, you know, mm. and like and I just can't tell you how much like it, I've just been so impressed with how mm. you receive them, how you love them, how you hear them, how you like it. I don't know. You, you have a gift, and like your ministry has been blessed because of. It. I think any guy who would even be a little bit trepidatious about mm-hmm. having this conversation with anyone else, I think, should feel an extra a sense of safety and security going into those doors because mm. I think they're going to be loved in a way that they can't even imagine. Mm. So, like, if, if anyone's listening to this that's like, man, I, you know, I'm on the fence about it, like, just do it. Like, it's, it, you, you will not regret it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks sure. a lot. Yeah, Absolutely. I would agree with that. I've had the privilege of walking with Josh as a friend, as a brother, a mentee. Mm. <laughs> that's right. In terms right. of you mentoring me. <laughs> right. And some yeah. things we've done for parents on the week, you know, the PG seminars, mm. and I, I just, you know, I applaud your good compassionate hard work it's beautiful you're supposed to plug your own like you no i'm just (laughs) listen i i mean there's nobody's more surprised this thing that we're doing with men right now was not intentional it Mm. it grew out of different iterations of being with guys um over the years and just got pushed to open it up and we cranked up this thing we used to we called it iron men at the time you know again it's a three-tiered race physical race 140.6 miles in a day the name wasn't meant to be clever it was getting to the point it's an endurance race. Well, you know, your life could be 60, 70, 80 years, much longer race, but one we don't think about a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so what would it look like if we could help men think about their their faith, their character, and the practicality of how they live? I wasn't interested in just having another Bible study. Again, I tell guys, if you're looking for that, probably need to find something else. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to use the scriptures, period, but this isn't a Bible study per se. Um, it's it's about life, and I think the scriptures are that. And so we weren't trying to disconnect what we do, who we are, how we live from the scriptures, which I think, unfortunately, we've done. Um, I've done. So we wanted to not do that. But we have two groups that now meet Thursday morning at 6.15 and a Monday evening group at 7 and they're fairly sizable which is crazy. Men are around tables on a weekly basis and sit with the same guys. Um, We do sessions during the year a fall, winter, spring session with breaks in between as well as a little four week summer session. So it's been really fun and life giving but what I think we're really at, trying to get after is restoring hearts. We've got guys all over the map 
and trying to catalyze these friendships that are so powerful. And then really engaging men in the culture so that they can have impact with who they are, with what they know, that what they do every day isn't different than how they can bring healing in their communities in the city. And then hopefully, my real dream isn't how many men we can get to a meeting. My real dream one day is that we're starting to have guys run these same kind of groups mm. in their homes over mm. a beer with a neighbor yeah. who isn't a church guy. And you don't have to have yeah. a big God conversation right away. Maybe you just talk about how to be a better dad. Mm. So we're really not trying to just measure what we're doing with how many come to something, though that's valuable, and we'd like as many guys to come as want. Right. But also how many guys get a mindset that they are players through their relationships and re can recreate these little safe places to have important dialogue over things we've been talking about for the last two hours, even in their neighborhoods, in their living rooms, where they live and exist. So, that's great. yeah, it's really fun. I have a bunch of other little groups that I'm a part of, but that's kind of the mainstay of what we do. Yeah. So anybody's welcome at any time. You can come at any point in the session. You don't have to sign up. Yeah. We just show up and get her done. Yeah. Awesome, Pat. Yeah, and I know I got to be a part of Ironman when it first started, and it was life changing for me. Were you a part of? Yeah, I did the kind of the the pre Ironman Ironman, and then was part of Ironman. <laughs> he but was testing out his stuff on you. <laughs> it's, yeah, it was it was equally as good then. Yeah, yeah and, and Pat, you're you're like a. Um, I mean, I, I feel like you, like I know it's not about you, and there is opportunity for guys to engage with each other, but you are like a, a shot of like this good vitamin C mm. or antibiotic. I mean, it's just you have a way of bringing people back into reality in ways that are really meaningful and intentional. Absolutely. And, and I, I remember, um, I think what you said to me at the beginning of it, the impetus was like that you jotted down five things you were so glad that a man taught you at some point in life and five things that you wish you had mm -hmm. known and the, the things that you just wanted to impart to the next generation. And I, I can't tell you how much, how widespread that impact has been. Like well, not, well, you're very kind. No, yes. yeah, I just yeah. literally, when we started, I asked some guys to meet because we have, I, I literally just did. I wrote down things that somebody taught me I was incredibly grateful for. Hmm. Um, and, and not just knowledge, but habits, like yeah. things, and things that I wish people would have talked to me about, you know. Um, and then things that I just found myself talking to people about all the time, and that pretty much has become. Hmm. I purposely haven't, and again, I mean this in an affirming way, I haven't gone to the bookstore and said, what's the latest curriculum for right. men? Right. And it's some great stuff out there for sure. But I felt like the Lord had given imparted some things to me and I would say the person that learns the most is me selfishly mm. so it's made me try to I think be a good steward of some of this stuff that God's mm. given to me and trying to find a way to give it away so that's been more the impetus to create some of the I don't know better word but content curriculum yeah. but not just what we're doing but how do people learn yeah I mean, that's a real thing that we try to think about too it's not just me talking for yeah. a period of time that would be a bad thing <laughs> yeah no it's heavily influenced uh my men's ministry we, we do a, a monthly second friday of every month we meet um with a group of guys and we go through like a topic as a big group and then break into small groups to dive deeper and to set goals and to kind of like that the small groups kind of stay consistent each time which is very much the iron i didn't set out for it to be just like the iron man model but it just kind of organically as you you gravitate towards well, what works yeah and pat it, does stuff that works yeah <laughs> but, whatever uh, works do yeah. it i learned it from somebody else trust me <laughs> but the, the other thing that I, i've really tried to do to help change the culture like or just impact the culture for is we do um a two-year-long program for any guys welcome who 
when they come to Horizon is they go through the way of the wild heart together for one year with a group of men, talk about the stages of masculinity and how that like shapes us and the issues that we have and the wounds that we have to overcome at each of those stages. And the next year we kind of go through a, a year of initiation where they basically we, we usually kick it off with like a backpacking trip where guys kind of get to think about for the first time to ask God like what are some goals or things you want me to grow in, and we try to. Harvest like you know three specific goals. Usually one's like a spiritual goal. One's like just a general masculinity goal. Like I want to learn how to build a fire. I want to learn how to like fix my garage. You know, and then one's like you know deeper like kind of life goal of whether it's like you know financial discipline, like budgeting or whatever. But but one of the things they they have to seek someone out who's going to teach them something. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like and and then they have to like set an action plan for each one, and we kind of get together and go over that over the course of the year and it's been awesome for me to get to do that every year because I find myself Gosh, setting like beautiful. two to three goals every year that I've, that these guys push me to get done and I've, I've done things that I would never have done if I if I didn't have these other guys urging me on in it, which is really exciting. So the second year is those three specific goals spiritual? Yeah um, like a general masculinity goal yeah, general, like something that, okay. you just want, that you feel like you don't feel like much of a man in and you've always skill. wanted to know how to do it. skill and then like and then it's just like a I mean and usually sometimes it's three to five some guys set yeah. a couple more but I and then usually just like a, like a discipline goal, like something that you really want to grow in, whether it's, you know, like That's some so guys great. end up going to marriage counseling because yeah. of their goal to grow their marriage so or they, great. you know, like, uh, so it's, it's something in that vein. And we try to help them figure out, think through, talk through what they want to prioritize and, and do that year. My first year I was to work on speaking and I sought out Pat Goodman's uh, wisdom and helping to shape me as a speaker. And every year I try to have something that like grows me a little bit. Um, you know, as, as as a facilitator, as something else, I try. So it's been really fun. It's been really Gee, fun. That's fantastic. So Can I join this company? When is next? Anytime. Break some of those things. I figure how to implement some of that stuff. It's good. Yeah, we'd love to have you, Josh. Um, so one last question, and just I, I, we don't want to take a lot of time with this, but what's maybe one or two books that you'd recommend to just somebody looking to grow in the Lord, a, a man looking to grow in the Lord? It doesn't have to be specific to to masculine issues. Well, two hit me right away. I mean, there's so many, right? But uh, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard is just... Absolutely. It's uh, it's one of those <laughs> timeless, I just reread it now and then, a little yeah. workbook that goes with it. Then I'll lay off and then I'll go back and read something. I'll go like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm rereading it now. It's Thank so you. powerful. Yeah. The second one I think would be Fill These Hearts by mm. Christopher West. Is I think particularly young men, men when it, around the whole reason of desire design is... I did this with a small group of guys and it was just so life-giving and declarative. Mm. I mean, I've recommended this to high school kids and all kinds of people. So, and maybe if there's a third mm. one, might be one called Every Good Endeavor by Keller, mm. just because I think Tim does a tremendous job of helping people think about this con- Hebrew concept of avad, mm. of living one life, that, you know, you don't have a work life and another life. Like right. you, there's, the, having a good right. theology of work and how it connects with what we bring into the world is really a rich yeah. perspective mm-hmm. and how the fall fits in. It's just, it's good. So those would be three for me. That's so good. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. I, um, we mentioned wild at heart before for men, for men. I think yeah. that's, it's just so a good. really good book. Um, mm. even if it challenges you and you don't agree with everything, it's, yeah. there's really that's good really stuff good and validating stuff in there. Um, I'm gonna give three too. I, um, fill these hearts definitely on the top of my list. I've, I've read it twice now i'll read it again the first time i i couldn't couldn't read it fast enough the second uh-huh. time i made myself read it slow because it's definitely worth digesting by christopher west and then the last thing i'd say like it's kind of a new realization for me but um i'm a big fan of c.s lewis's fiction i mean i've known that for mm-hmm. a long time but I, I i think it's been more recent that i've realized how influenced my life has been by his fiction and i mm. I, 
I'd go so far as to say that I think my my um, ability to perceive reality has been deeply impacted by his fiction, ironically. Mm. So um, I'd recommend The Great Divorce. It's one of my favorites. Mm. It's, oh, that makes so much sense, though, Josh, because I think yeah. we... I'm so glad to hear you say that because we do think... As my buddy Mike Metzger talks about this a lot, but, you know, we're so... Which part of your brain is the most logical one, right or left? I get them all mixed up. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> but we're so Greek-oriented that way of logic and, uh, you know, we, we kind of add it all up. We even think discipleship this way. If I can teach somebody A, B, yeah. C, and D, they'll do E. Uh-huh. I wish it was that easy, right? But the power of ideas and imagination yeah. and story yeah. and movies and song, yeah. just powerful. And I, mm. I think Lewis got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he definitely. Yeah. He and yeah. Tolkien, I think. That, that was part of their conversation was we... We got to start writing fiction. I, I think it was um, Dorothy Sayers said of C.S. Lewis. I don't know where she got this, but she said he started writing fiction because his his writings of theology were not saying enough about God. Oh. <laughs> when you look at a sunset, wow. we ought to go, duh. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah. You see a frog hopping around. It's like, come on, really? Yeah. Yeah. I would echo the books. I mean, fill these hearts, uh, renovation of the heart. I mean, inner voice of love was really powerful for mm. me by Henry Nowen. It's short little excerpts that he wrote basically of like his revelation of God as he was struggling with his identity and like I I reread that every two three years I mean I just can't I can't read I can't recommend that enough um, and then, you know, I, I, I was actually, my favorite Eldridge book is Journey of Desire. And I think oh, yeah, this is with yeah. what we're talking about right here with like masculinity. I think I'm, I would maybe recommend that one. I, that one was really, really powerful for me. But I mean, I've got a ton of authors that I love, but in this, in this niche, I'll stay with those two. But you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, oh, Ryan. Yeah, Very man, fun. it's an honor to have you. Honor to be here. If you'd like more information about Horizon Church, you can check out our website at horizontowson.com. We're a community where you will be loved and have an opportunity to be loved. Thanks for joining us on the Horizon. <laughs> <laughs>